Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying your summer. Thanks for joining me for Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk, Season 3, Episode 7. Going to talk a whole lot of football today. But first, watching a little NBA Summer League out of Vegas and Keegan Murray for the Sacramento Kings. Last I knew, he had 17 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. Just doing it kind of quietly out there. Uh, kind of like he did in a lot of games as a Hawkeye where you think, man, you know, Keegan was kind of quiet in this game, and next thing you know, he has 20 points, 8 rebounds, a couple assists, knocked back two or three three-pointers. So really fun to see him out there running with these really talented players in the summer league. But let's, let's get on with football, and you know, there's so much change going on. It's hard to even keep up with everything that's happening in college football, college athletics in general. But a lot of excitement and a football season that's coming at us really fast. I believe it's 56 days from today. Hard to believe. Here we are in mid-July, and September 3rd is the start of the football season. Let's kick it off with the recruiting trail. Four players have committed to the Hawkeyes since that big recruiting weekend a couple weeks ago. Right before the weekend, if you recall, the Hawkeyes got the commitment from a big offensive tackle, 6'9". 260 pounds. He's a guy that has to put on probably another 60 pounds or so over the next couple of years, but he is a basketball player. He's a really talented kid. Usually those guys have good footwork, good agility, and big players. I mean, that's the new norm when it comes to offensive linemen in the Big Ten. You look at Wisconsin, Minnesota, and just the monsters that they have on the offensive line. I think that's what the Hawkeyes are doing here, getting the guy who who has a lot of agility, and he's going to be able to pack on a lot of pounds, and he is going to be a load out there paving running lanes and protecting the quarterback. So that was a good get, and uh, he had camped at Iowa, and the Hawkeyes were high on him, offered, and he accepted right away. Next up, if I'm recalling correctly, it was the Sunday of the big recruiting weekend. The Hawkeyes got a commitment from a four-star, very talented offensive lineman, Trevor Locke from Indianapolis, just another big guy, a high school kid at 6'6", 285 pounds, probably still growing. And that was a great finish to that weekend. And the Hawkeyes have had some success on the recruiting trail since. Most notably, as everybody I'm sure has heard, was Caden Proctor. He's the highest ranked football recruit in Hawkeye history. He's in everyone's top 10 overall in the 2023 class, all the recruiting publications and, and websites, and he's the top-ranked offensive tackle in the class. Just a huge commitment, one that felt really good as a Hawkeye fan. That's two years in a row that Iowa has landed five-star football player from the Des Moines area. Of course, last year was Xavier Wampa. Both are out of Southeast Polk High School. Proctor had every offer you could imagine. He had narrowed it down to Iowa and Alabama, and then the Hawkeyes with the win. And obviously the success of the offensive linemen over the years made this a pretty easy decision for Proctor since he could stay close to home and know that he's in good hands in Iowa City with really three offensive line gurus to work with at Iowa. You got head coach Kirk Ferentz, who is one of the best offensive line coaches in the nation. He has been for years. He was offensive line coach for the for the Hawkeyes under Hayden Fry in the eighties. And offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz, he started at center for the Hawkeyes, and he's, he's a good line coach. And then 
George Barnett, he's only been at Iowa for a year. This is year two for him. Uh, but he's very experienced coaching that offensive line. So Proctor has a lot of guys that are going to be helping him out and look for him to be in the rotation early in his career, even as a true freshman. And if he progresses as we expect, he could be another first-round draft pick. And one thing to note about him is I've heard that he's going to enroll early at the semester, so that'll be huge too in getting him uh, some early playing time as a true freshman. He's listed at 6'7" and 330 pounds, and you know, just amazing as a kid going into his senior season in high school to have that kind of size. I, I weighed half that when I was in high school. I was six feet tall, 160, 165 pounds soaking wet, and I'm not kidding. I mean, he was twice my, he is twice my size uh, that I was when I played football in high school. Pretty amazing. Well, the Hawkeyes weren't done there, and they received another commitment from tight end Zach Ortworth on the 4th of July. He's a 6'4", 220-pound, three-star athlete from the St. Louis area, and really good to see the Hawkeyes get a tight end locked down in this class. And most recently, it was a commitment from a three-star defensive end, Kenneth Merriweather from Detroit, Michigan. He's listed as the 15th best recruit in the state of Michigan, and the Hawkeyes are currently ranked around 15, 16 overall in the 2023 recruiting class. So doing a great job recruiting. And there's a lot of time left, but they have a total of 16 recruits on the board. I look for the Hawkeyes to bring in more than 20 in this class with high school recruits. And then probably exploring the transfer portal to try to hit on some areas of need. One of those areas of need may be wide receiver, as the Hawkeyes need to build some depth unless these walk-ons you know, that they've gotten some JUCO kids that have walked on, and, and unless they really step up this year, or there's still time. They may get some high school commitments over the next few months, but, you know, the best way to to start getting some big wide receiver re- recruits is going to be with an improved offense in 2023, with wide receivers getting more balls down the field. And, you know, the Hawkeyes, they really have had some good wide receivers over the last few years. You look at Nick Easley the Newton, Iowa kid, Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset, and I believe in Kelton Copeland, the the Hawkeye wide receivers coach. He's done a great job. He's put some of those kids into the NFL, and kids should want to play for a guy like him. But, you know, they're seeing some of that production, especially last year, and the Hawkeyes may need to prove it on the field. So all is good on the recruiting front, and I really like this Hawkeye staff with all the former Hawkeye players, and things are looking good in Iowa City. Now let's talk a little bit about who will make the biggest leap on the offensive side of the ball for the Hawkeyes this season. And my pick is running back Gavin Williams. I think it's a pretty easy one. Who knows what's going to happen, but to me, picking Gavin was pretty easy. He played behind T. Good last season, and I think he's going to rush for 800-plus yards, possibly more. But I think LaShawn Williams is going to get a lot of carries as well. And both impressed me. In the bowl game, I'm looking forward to see what they can do behind an offensive line that I think is going to be much improved this season. Honorable mention here is Arlen Bruce. I think he can do a lot of things. Receiving the football, taking wide receiver screens for big gains, jet sweeps. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife back there, and and I hope the Hawkeyes are going to utilize him that way. And when I'm talking about him, you think about Keegan Johnson. You know, if he's healthy, he's poised to have just a huge year this year as well. 
and he had huge flashes last year. He had a great true freshman season, and to see him take another leap is going to be a lot of fun. Well, the Hawkeyes do have some weapons. You know, they just need to get him the ball, and Sam Laporta's back, one of the top returning tight ends in the nation. Look for him to be on the Mackey Award watch list for the top tight end in college football. But his backup, Luke Lachey, is really intriguing as well. He has lineage with his father, a former D1 football player. He had eight catches for 133 yards last year, good for just under 17 yards per catch. And, and I think he's going to have over 20 catches this season, over 300 yards as a backup tight end. And with his development, uh, I think the Hawkeyes are going to be able to run more two tight end sets this year, both in the running game and passing game. Most critical improvement for the Hawkeyes this season is the offensive line. And I know most people will say the quarterback position, but the Hawkeyes offense goes based on how the offensive line performs. And last year was a perfect storm. There was attrition. There were some guys that left the game, some guys that transferred out, some guys that just didn't stick. And there were some injuries. And the offensive line, other than the center, of course, with Linderbaum, really struggled due to youth and inexperience. Got a little bit better as Kyler Schott got back into the mix. And as the season wore on, they got better. But I expect the offensive line to be just much, much better this season with Mason Richmond at left tackle. I think he's going to be a complete stud in year two, protecting that left side. At guard, I expect Connor Colby to take a huge step up after being thrown into the starting lineup as a true freshman. And he got better and better as the season went on. And I really think he is going to be a beast in his sophomore campaign. Now, the right tackle is a little bit more concerning to me. They just couldn't quite find a right tackle that could stick with it last year. They were rotating guys. Um, but it sounds like they really expect Jack Plum to make the improvements needed there. This is going to be his senior year, and I'll be rooting for him. And he's played quite a few snaps, but has had some issues over the last couple of years. But he did seem to play much better in the bowl game at 6'7", 300 pounds. He has the, the, the size, the length, and uh, you know if he's not getting it done, there are some young guys that have been around long enough now to really push him if he's not making the strides they need him to make. The biggest concern is center. I mean, I think there's plenty of guys that are going to be trying to get that other guard position, but at center, who's going to take over? For Tyler Linderbaum, who was just a complete dominant center last year. Is it Tyler Andres? Is it converted defensive lineman Logan Jones? Or is it Michael Mislinski? He should be healthy now. They thought they'd have him back in June. And you know, who knows? Maybe he's he's gonna take over that role if he's healthy and, and can get get into the mix. Really intriguing there to see what happens, but overall that offensive line is going to have more experience and a lot more depth this year, and that's what makes me feel better. They were really lacking in depth last year. And also being year two for the offensive line coach, George Barnett, I think that's going to help this unit. And a better offensive line is just going to be huge for better quarterback play. Spencer Petrus is not a guy you want improvising in the backfield. That's assuming that that he's going to be the quarterback. And if the line can give him some time, if they can move the ball on the ground and avoid a lot of third and long situations, 
that's really the best remedy there is for the Hawkeyes to help that quarterback play. And Spencer, he's been doing his part working on fundamentals in the offseason with Tony Rassiopi, the quarterback guru. He went to the Manning Passing Academy, really turned some heads. Uh, there was video of a 75-yard bomb that he threw right on the money, uh, and everybody went nuts. So, you know, he, he's out there working, and I'm going to be rooting for whoever it is, Spencer Petrus, Alex Padilla, Joey Lavis. I really feel that whoever they put back there of those three, that the Hawkeyes can have some success with a much improved offensive line. That was really, really a struggle last year with that line. Well, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, and I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of Terry Roberts this year, his senior season, and I'm picking him as the biggest mover as far as production on the defensive side of the ball. We've seen what he can do on special teams. Now it's time to see what he can do on defense, and you know, it's really tough. He was injured last year right after stepping in for Moss, getting that starting role, but then he got injured, and Jamari Harris took over at corner, and by the end of the season, Harris really looked the part. He had an interception in the bowl game. Really looked confident out there. Harris will be sitting out the first game after his DUI this summer. And I do, you know, Harris is still going to play a lot. But I think Terry Roberts and Riley Moss are going to lock down the two corner positions. Harris will come in in the nickel and other situations. But what a defensive backfield. I mean, you think of losing the key players that they lost. Dane Belton, he's with the Giants. Matt Hankins. Jack Kerner, and, you know, you still have Moss. He's the reigning defensive back of the year in the Big Ten. Terry Roberts is a guy who last year was referred to by Kirk Ferentz as a guy that they consider another starter. And Kayvon Merriweather, he's a team leader. He's played very well. He, he looks better every season, and I think we're going to see a huge season out of him. And then at the other safety, is it going to be Quinn Schulte to replace Jack Kerner? After spring, it really sounded like Schulte had the edge at the other safety, but Cooper DeGene you know, is working for it, Sebastian Castro, Xavier Wampa. They're going to be gunning for that position as well as the cash role, so it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I was thinking Cooper might be cash this year when you look at his speed and physicality, but Xavier Wampa has really built up his body. He's now 6'2" and about 215 pounds. He enrolled early. He got to go through spring ball. He has a jump on that uh, weight training, and and he's really really growing his strength and spending a lot of time with Phil Parker and learning that defense. So I really think that Wampa is going to make an impact early on special teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing a lot of cash and or safety as the season moves on. The linebackers will be a major strength on this team with returning production. All three starting starters are back, and I think they're going to try to play Justin Jacobs a little bit more, have him on the field more, uh, especially early on. They may play a little less cash since they lost Belton, and and Jacobs is very athletic, and they may, may go with the three linebacker lineup a little bit more often. I wouldn't be surprised to see some cash sets as well where Jacobs is still on the on the field, whether he's at linebacker or they line him up closer to the line of scrimmage. It's hard not to keep him on the field, especially with the experience he has now and the way he performed last season. 
And Jack Campbell should be a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker next year, possibly All-American. And Seth Benson has really been a, a just a great surprise for a lightly recruited kid from South Dakota. He's done a great job. Well, it's hard to say that Lucas Van Ness will be the big mover on the defensive line because he had seven sacks last year. But I love you know, that they do have flexibility to move him to the edge. He looks like a really talented player. He, he had a great season last year, and he played mostly in the middle, but he's going to thrive on the outside, rushing the quarterback, guarding that edge. And I don't see a drop-off from Van Valkenburg now with Lucas Van Ness out there with the experience he has, and he is a big, big guy. Well, everything, everyone else, you know, they can take a step forward on that line the experience they gained last season. There were some really young players last year who are basically veterans now. You look at Noah Shannon, Logan Lee at tackle, defensive end John Wagner. Those three started all 14 games last year. Van Ness played a lot. Y.A. Black played a lot, as, as did Deontay Craig. And Joe Evans. I mean, Joe Evans is a sack specialist, and he got a lot of snaps. He has for the last three years. And he just looks better every season. So, you know, those those guys could start on a lot of teams in college football. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that defensive line is just going to be a huge strength for the Hawkeyes this year. Last year it was a question mark. They did a really good job. But this year I think they're going to really dominate some teams. And I could even see some of the, the true freshmen, Caden Crawford, Brian Allen, or Aaron Graves getting into that eight-player rotation, especially if anyone gets dinged up. Allen and Crawford are early enrollees. They really looked the part. And Aaron Graves, that highly decorated guy coming in, and he's going to be ready to go physically. Let's shift gears to special teams. And special teams have been such a key for the Hawkeyes over the last several years, probably over the last 20 years or, or 40 years if you go back even further. They're just a key for the Hawkeyes winning those close games. You look back at some of the unbelievable players the Hawkeyes have had, R Reggie Roby, Nate Kading, Tim Dwight. I was watching Tim Dwight highlights today from the NFL. And those of you who are my age, and you can remember Tim Dwight. You remember what he did on the field as the Hawkeye. But it's amazing to see his highlights in the NFL as well. He scored touchdowns for four different teams, the Falcons, the Chargers, New England, he caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady, at least one, and, and the Raiders. And he also scored touchdowns four different ways. He was a jet sweep guy. He, he rushed for some touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, punt returns, kickoff returns. He was a Swiss Army knife, one of my favorite all-time Hawkeyes. So it was really fun to, to go back and, and look at those highlights today. But if you look at this team, you know, the Hawkeyes are going to have a huge advantage over about any team this season with Tory Taylor. This kid from Australia, he has a superhuman leg as far as strength and accuracy. And I think he's going to really shine in year three of playing American football. That's how long he has been playing American-style football, just three years. And I think this year it's all going to click. We're going to be sitting there watching him punt. Our mouths are going to drop open. We're going to look at each other like, did we just see that? And so I'm excited for that, as well as Terry Roberts. He is 
been unbelievable as a gunner. Really good at downing the ball inside the 10, inside the 5. So I'm really pumped up for this punt team this season. To me, the biggest key is who is going to win the kicking battle. There are three guys going for it. Uh, I'm not worried about kickoffs. I'm sure they have you know, someone, one of the three with a, a strong enough leg to get it in the end zone most of the time. But who's going to be able to stand up there under pressure and knock down field goals, extra points, and, and just do it, be really cool under pressure? We've had so many good kickers of late. And I think having a good kicker could be the difference in winning 10 games and winning 7 or 8 games in 2023 just because of the importance of the kicking game in, the, in those close games. But for my breakout special teams player, I'm going to pick Cooper DeGene. He did some kick returning last season. I think he's going to be all over special teams this season. And I could see him being the punt returner for the Hawkeyes. There's quite a few guys that could be. Arlen Bruce is one of them that I was thinking about. But I kind of like Arlen Bruce really focusing on offense this season. I think he's so important there. But there's a lot of guys that want this job. Even Xavier Wampa has talked about wanting to be the punt returner. That would be really interesting. But Cooper really showed some offensive skills in high school. And I think he'd be a good choice to take over for Charlie Jones, who defected to Purdue after spring ball when he saw that there was really no competition left at wide receiver at Purdue, and he bolted. So for special teams, you look at the punt team, I think they're going to be really good. The kicking team, we're unsure of as, as of now. Um, vitally important to the team. And then the return teams are a bit of a question mark. I really think there's some guys that can step up on the return team. I'm not worried about that. LaShawn Williams, another guy that may be returning kicks this year. Get him a little bit more action. And the Hawkeyes have added a couple of guys from JUCOs as well that have had quite a bit of success on kick returns in, in the JUCO ranks. So nothing really to be concerned with there. LeVar Woods will have them coached up, and, and I don't think the drop-off is going to be too noticeable without Charlie. Well, let's talk now about some of the change that I mentioned that's happening in college football. There was a recent announcement that the Iowa Hawkeye football players have started their own NIL group, the Iowa City NIL Club. Again, NIL, name, image, likeness. And for more information about this group, look up Iowa City NIL Club on Twitter or Instagram. You can find more information. Uh, there's players, current players that are talking about it. and and asking fans to join the club. It's going to cost $199, and they're just limiting this to the first 2,000 fans. And those funds are going to go right to the participating athletes. So if you join this club, they're saying that it's going to provide free in-person events, uh, preferential access to the NIL group in future years. So if it, if it really catches on as something that people really like and want to be part of, you're in now it's gonna you're gonna get first dibs next year you're gonna have access to message boards and chat rooms with the players there's gonna be other player generated type online content where they're gonna talk about football uh, specific games plays that happened in games etc so really interesting uh, they're also gonna have some merchandise 
for the fans that are part of this club. And since it's limited to 2,000 fans, they're going to generate just under 400,000 from this NIL club. And I don't know how many players are participating. If it's 50, that'd be good for about $8,000 each. If it's 100, 4,000. If it's every player, then it's even less than that. But it's something that's brand new, just came out this week. Don't really know what to uh, think of it at this point or, or, or what all, you know, how it's going to go, how it's going to go over with fans. It's just going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm not sure what the holdup is on the Swarm NIL. It was supposed to be announced some time ago. I believe they're now saying it's, it's very close to being announced, so we, we should hear more about that soon. That will be another option for fans that want to contribute to the student-athletes. And Gary Barta just announced that the Hawkeyes will be taking advantage of the new rule that players can earn just shy of $6,000 per year for academic performance. And I tried to research what academic performance is required, but I think it's just up to each school. And it must be because it's up to the school if they're even going to participate in this. Well, players who perform at a certain level academically are going to be in line to earn up to $5,980 per year. Very kind of strange, specific dollar amount, but some schools have even started off with a lower amount than that. And Wisconsin is currently the only Big Ten school that's doing this. They're the only one that's participating in this. So Iowa isn't really behind here, uh, but I, I think it's a good thing if, if the Hawkeyes can get ahead of this because I assume more and more schools are going to start adopting this. And it's a good way to incent those kids to, to do well in the classroom. Times are changing, and who can keep track of all this? And and speaking of more change, UCLA and USC are reportedly joining the Big Ten, and the Big Ten supposedly said no to Oregon and Washington while they wait for Notre Dame to decide if they want to join the Big Ten. I don't know why Notre Dame has been avoiding the Big Ten for so long. It's It's perplexing to me. They have traditional rivalries in the Big Ten. It makes sense geographically. And now with USC and UCLA in the fold with the, the added LA market and the TV money that the Big Ten is going to get, I think it's something that even Notre Dame might want to be a part of. Well, I'm not a huge fan of all the changes taking place in college athletics. I do think it's going to be fun to see Iowa playing UCLA and USC at Kinnick Stadium and traveling to L.A. to play those teams. And the LAI club, they were just so much fun to follow when Iowa played in the Rose Bowl several years back. They just have to be celebrating this news, so it's really great for them. And I think it's going to be good for the Hawkeyes long-term as far as recruiting. You know, Iowa's had some players from California over time, but it's pretty rare. I'm thinking off the top of my head of fullback Edgar Cervantes, the wide receiver, Ramona Choa, who stepped up with just some huge plays in his senior year in 2003. And then currently the Hawkeyes have Spencer Petras and freshman corner TJ Hall that are from California. But, you know, to have recruits from that area know they can get back to play in Southern California is going to be a nice selling factor. And high school kids are going to get to see the Hawkeyes travel to L.A. to play. And how do you not fall in love with the black and gold when you see those uniforms on the field. So, you know, maybe the Hawks will get more recruits from Southern California. They're already trying to to uh, pick up some recruits in Arizona. 
LeVar Woods is recruiting that area now. It's not too far from Phoenix to L.A. And so maybe LeVar is going to start dipping his toe into Southern California as well. I took that trip to go to the Rose Bowl after the 2015 season. It was about a five-hour drive, if I recall. Well, just a lot of change in the landscape of college sports. NIL continues to take shape. The players surprised everyone with the Iowa City NIL Collective run by the players themselves that was announced this week. I'm getting pumped for football. The season started in just 56 days. Look for the Hawkeyes to have a great defense in 2022 and an improved offense. Just the question is, how much will they be improved? Can they improve enough to be a top 65 total offense team out of 129 FBS schools in 2022? That'd be the top half of those teams. If so, this could really be a special year. Regardless, I think the offense will take a step forward, the offensive line being much better, but how much can they can they progress? And if they stay in the 100-plus range on offense, I look for the fortunes to change a little bit to the ceiling of maybe eight wins. Really tough schedule for the Hawkeyes this year, and and even having that much success would be due to a dominant offense, but special teams are going to have to really step up as well. A good field goal kicking unit to help win those close games. And the updates to the offense are enough to really move the needle. You know, they've got some new blood in there with John Budmeyer, the new offensive analyst. He was a former quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. Maybe he could help influence some updates that are going to help the quarterbacks get rid of the ball quicker and utilize the talented tight ends and wide receivers that the Hawkeyes have. And if they do so, the sky is really the limit here. You know, really tough schedule, and pretty soon, coming up, I'll go through my game-by-game predictions and see how many games we think the Hawkeyes are going to win this year. But that's it for today. I hope everyone's enjoying the summer. It's going fast. Labor Day weekend will be here before we know it. Can't wait to swarm Kinnick again. Thanks for listening, and go Hawks!